Hello, welcome to the City of Roseville podcast. I'm Brian Jacobson. The national, state, and local economies continue to be strong. Unemployment rates are low, especially in Roseville. Roseville and South Placer County's population continue to grow faster than the state average. However, the scars of the Great Recession are still evident. Like many cities, the city of Roseville borrowed from its reserves, deferred payments, and delayed maintenance to keep from making severe cuts to city services during the recession. Whether we're in a stronger or weaker part of the economic cycle, the nature of what influences our economy is changing. New dynamics affect the amount of revenue the city receives from sales tax, which helps pay for police and fire protection, parks, libraries, and road maintenance. This has left the city with an anticipated $14 million general fund budget cap to close next fiscal year. With me today is Jay Panzika, Roseville's chief financial officer, to discuss what Roseville's dealing with and how we're approaching the challenges now and in the future. Jay started his career in the private sector with financial positions in the banking, computer, and airline industries, working for companies such as General Foods and American Airlines. Jay came to Roseville from the city of Ventura, where he served as a chief financial officer for nine years. He has been with Roseville for the past three years. Hi, Jay. Hi there, Ryan. So can you describe the city's financial situation right now? Yes, I'm happy to report that the city of Roseville actually is in a very healthy position right now. We have a good, solid tax base in terms of sales tax and property tax, so we're doing well. We're paying our current obligations, which again is a good deal. We have come to the conclusion that we see that as we forecast our expenses and our revenues going forward, our expense line is beginning to cross the revenue line. So we have some issues we want to deal with. They're not critical. We're not going bankrupt. We're still healthy, but these are issues we want to deal with now before they become very serious in the future. During the recession, the city revenues dropped significantly, yet it was doubtful many in the public actually saw the impacts of that on our city services. How was the city able to do this? As you mentioned, the city lost significant revenue during the uh, recession that occurred from the, in the 2000s. The city, like most cities, chose to have as least of an impact on the residents as they could. So what we did is we used money that we had set aside for other purposes, or we didn't fund things that ordinarily we would. Let me give you some examples. We had an account that we kept our workers' comp funds in in case an, an employee was injured. We stopped funding that account, and we spent all the money that we had in that account for daily operations. So that was about a 7 or $8 million loss right there of monies that we spent. We did this on a number of occasions, um, and again, to make sure that there was less impact on the residents. In addition, we have various pieces of equipment throughout the city. You can imagine all kinds of cars and vehicles and computer equipment that has a useful life. And during this period of time, many of those pieces of equipment reached its useful life, but we chose not to replace it. We just extend its life and we kind of bandage it together to keep it going. In addition, our building maintenance was not funded and we postponed as much maintenance as we could to make sure that the, the city was running, but we postponed roof repairs and that type of thing to make sure that um, we could save the money and spend it elsewhere. So in effect, we borrowed money from ourselves that we had set aside for other purposes, spent it for operations, and now it's time to pay us back. The City Council recently adopted some new financial policies to help replenish those funds you were speaking of. Uh, can you explain exactly what those policies are and why those are important? Sure. A fiscal policy or financial policy is a document that's created by staff and approved by council, and what it does is it gives us direction. What we do is we give a series of facts to council, say with this set of facts, this is a decision and this is a process we're going to follow. So we put some of these into place to try to prevent the use of the funds that we did during the recession should it happen again in the future. So as an example, in the workers' comp case, we worked with our actuarial folks, determined how much money we really needed to have in that fund, 
and how much money we had to put in each year. And then we create a policy that said that council is required to fund it each year fully and to continue to fund it fully going forward in every year. Now, obviously, a policy can be changed by council on any Wednesday night. However, it will require a very formalized process, and it will be public and open should they choose to spend this money again. But in fact, what the policies do is help us create a consistent cash flow and funding of our needs. So should we have a recession in the future, council will not be able to spend those monies on daily operations without changing the policy in a public forum. So this way they will be consciously deciding to spend their savings account on daily operations or not. It gives them a check and balance system and staff a check and balance system to make sure that we consciously spend money wisely. Sales tax is a big part of our general fund revenue. The economy is changing. People's shopping habits are changing. How is that impacting the sales tax revenue stream that we depend on? The change in buying habits of the American residents is a huge problem for cities like Roseville. It impacts us more than other cities because Roseville is a tax importer. And what that means is that people come to Roseville to buy things. We have a great galleria, we have a great restaurant business. Um, so that means we have more sales tax per capita than most cities. So if our sales tax goes down, it's more affected than in other cities. So why do we care about this? Let's talk about what we buy and how we buy it. Traditionally, in the past, when you wanted to purchase an item, you would go to the gallery or go to Best Buy to buy that item. You pay your sales tax, you take it home. Nowadays, very often, people, instead of going to a brick-and-mortar store like at the Galleria, they'll go on the Internet, and they'll purchase something from a store in Texas that only has items on the Internet. They don't have a real store. They buy it, it gets mailed to their house. They don't pay sales tax. So we have lost that chunk of sales tax that we required to live on. We had our outside financial consultant look at the impact that this has had on the city of Roseville, and we have learned that we're losing between 3 and $4 million to, in, to the loss of sales tax related to internet sales. So that's problem number one, is how we buy it. And then problem number two is what we're buying. Traditionally, we bought things to make our lives easier. Let me give you an example of the, a lawnmower. Traditionally, you would buy a lawnmower and go cut your grass. So when you bought the lawnmower, you'd pay sales tax on a lawnmower. So as the residents of Roseville continue to age, they will choose to cut their grass less. And as a result, they won't be buying lawnmowers. They will be hiring somebody to cut the grass for them. When you hire a service, you don't pay sales tax on it. So the sales tax we were getting to buy things is now going away because we're now buying services. We're spending more time in restaurants. We're spending more time hiring people to help us do things. There's no sales tax on that. Our sales tax calculation was created back in the 30s when this didn't exist, so there's a significant need to change the way that we calculate sales tax. But in the meantime, it's affecting us a great deal. And I, and I imagine that's only going to trend uh, in the same direction going forward. Yes, as you look forward into the future, just think about what you have seen recently in the past year in terms of brick-and-mortar stores like Sears and Penny's, for instance. These types of stores are closing very significant numbers of their branches and or just going out of business. So as this goes away, we see this geometrically increase in the future, so that, again, is going to impact us greatly. So the gallery is still busy, and the other shopping areas in Roseville are still busy, and people see that. And they look at their property tax bills, and they see how much they pay in property tax. And they could very obviously think that the city is getting a great deal of revenue from those. But that's not quite the case. Can you explain how much the city actually gets in sales tax revenue and property tax revenue? As you know, when you purchase something in store, you pay a 7.25% sales tax. That's the state minimum, which means that's the minimum that they, we can charge. 
You'll notice in many other cities you might go to, you'll pay an 8% sales tax or a 7.5% sales tax. They have overrides in our sales tax that we do not. But let's forget that for a moment. Just say of the 7.25 cents that you pay for every dollar, the city of Roseville receives one cent or one penny of the seven pennies. So it's a very insignificant portion. The rest of it goes to the state and county, mostly the state and a little bit to the county to run their services. And what about property tax? Okay, when you look at property tax, the same type of thing. Property tax in California is about 1% of the assessed value of your house. When I talk about assessed value, it's what the tax assessor values your house at as determined by when you purchased it and how much you purchase it. So you may have a house that's worth $500,000, but its tax value might only be $300,000. So this is a result of Prop 13. But the bigger issue is that of the 1% property tax that you pay, the city of Roseville only receives 15% of the 1%. So as a result, there's quite a big chunk of money that people believe they're paying in taxes that's coming to the city, when in effect, it really isn't. So with that, how much does the average Roosevelt household contribute to city revenues? Okay, when you look at it in very average numbers, when you look at the average income level of a, a typical household in Roosevelt and the average typical house um, value, in general, a typical household pays about $138 in sales tax per year to the city. In addition, the average household pays about $615 in property tax to the city for a total of about $753. When you look at what our cost to provide the services to a typical household is, you'll see the number is about $1,800. So we have about $1,100 shortfall in the amount of money that we receive in taxes from the residents versus what it costs to supply the services. And where is that difference made up? Well, there's the good news. The difference is we have a number of other sources of revenue, but most importantly, as I mentioned, we are a tax importer, which means that people come to the city of Roseville to spend their money. So they're making up the difference in the Galleria and coming in to buy their cars and that type of thing. It all helps us out. In terms of sales tax, let's talk about the Galleria for a minute. You just said that people see it as full of people spending lots of money. Well, in very round numbers, the Galleria generates about $500 million in sales per year. That's a huge number. That $500 million generates about $35 million in sales tax. Of the $35 million, the city of Roseville receives $5 million. So when you look at that big mall and all the money going through it, the city of Roseville only receives $5 million. So when you think about it, our general fund operating expenses for the year to run the city is about $140 million. So of the $140 million, five of it comes from the Roseville Galleria. So that's about 3.5% of our operating budget. So although it's a wonderful source of revenue and it's a great asset to the city, it's really only worth 3 or 4% of our actual operating costs. So we've talked about revenue for the city. What are the cost pressures uh, on the city budget? That's an interesting question as we look forward into the future. As I mentioned, we forecast our costs and we forecast our revenue. And we've noticed that over in the next couple of years, our costs will far exceed our revenues unless we do something. You notice in this current year's budget, we were short about $2 million. So we reduced operating expenses by about $2 million. In a $140 million budget, that's not serious. But in the next few years, it will be. So we're trying to address these issues early. So what's causing this problem? As I mentioned, the drop in sales tax due to the internet sales and the way we're buying things, there's a huge problem we have to deal with. The next issue is, um, I mentioned that during the recession, we didn't fund many of our operating expenses, like our workers' comp and our general insurance and our equipment replacement. So not only do we have to replace those pieces of equipment that are expiring today, 
we have to replace all those pieces of equipment that expired for the last eight years. So that's been a huge expense we're going to have to deal with going forward. Another category of costs that we have that's going to be looming in the future are called unfunded liabilities. These are liabilities that are incurred by the city that, but we have not fully funded. Two good examples of that are PERS, which is the Employee Retirement System, and OPEB, which is called um, Other Post-Employment Benefits, where we have retiree health from some of our employees who have been here a long time. In both cases, those funds are not fully funded, so we're going to have to pay increasing dollar amounts in the future to make sure those categories are fully funded. Another category of expenses that will be growing is in relationship to the Federal Health Care Act that, was, that you hear being discussed in Washington, along with minimum wage. In both of these cases, these expenses are being borne by the, our vendors that we contract our services to. Many of our services that are supplied to the residents are supplied by outside vendors. So as their costs go up due to minimum wage and due to health requirements, they pass those costs on to us. And those costs are now hitting us in several hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, and we see that to continue consistently in the future going forward. Yet another category we should talk about are, call, are what we call unfunded mandates. And these are requirements that are given to cities by either the state or the federal government to do something that costs money, but they're not given, we are not given the ability to charge for them. An example is handling stormwater in the city. You know, the, as the water rain comes, goes in our storm system, it has to go somewhere. Well, the requirements for cleaning that water and collecting the water and reprocessing that water is in the millions of dollars. And uh, we are now required to do things, but we have no ability to pay for it. This is just one of many, many examples of charges that we're getting of costs that are being borne by the city that are given to us that we cannot control by outside agencies without the ability to collect taxes to pay for them. So we can't predict these right now. They come daily, we determine which ones affect us, and then we have to figure out how to pay for them. This is an issue that's growing and growing from Sacramento and Washington. We'll just have to stay tuned and see how much they affect us. I mentioned at the beginning that for next fiscal year in 1819, uh, we have an anticipated $14 million budget gap. What's it look like in the years then following? That number is composed of numbers that we know today. And that includes our equipment replacement, our building re repair and maintenance that we know about. It in includes all of the employee benefits that we know about today. It doesn't include outside issues that I just mentioned from outside agencies. So that number will continue to grow into the future unless we do something differently. And by doing something differently, it would mean coming up with a different funding source for these or contracting out differently. But right now, we see that number doing nothing but grow, growing into the near future. Okay, Jay, thank you very much. We've been talking to Jay Panzeca, Roosevelt's Chief Financial Officer. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and listen to our future editions. There are several other ways to connect to your city. We have multiple accounts on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Nextdoor. We also have many free electronic newsletters on many different topics, including job openings, public safety news, city events, and more. Go to roseville.ca.us connect to sign up. Again, I'm Brian Jacobson. Have a nice rest of your day. <music>